2022 has been huge for health policy news. California launched its plan to overhaul Medicaid. The new National Crisis Line 988 went live. And after decades of talk, Democrats in Washington finally passed legislation authorizing Medicare to negotiate drug prices. The biggest health policy headline in 2022, the Supreme Court strikes down Roe v. Wade. And of course, you've got the perennial issues, rising prices, workforce shortages, racial disparities. We've covered these issues, but of course, no one single podcast can fully do them justice. So today, our annual end-of-year Best of Health Policy podcast episode, where we talk with other healthcare podcast hosts about some of the work they appreciated most. From the studio at the Leonard Davis Institute at the University of Pennsylvania, I'm Dan Gorenstein. This is Tradeoffs. Abdul El-Sayed, growing up, was interested in medicine. Abdul's dad wasn't into it. There's no immigrant parent who, you know, looks askance at their kid become a doctor, except for mine. Stubborn and committed, Abdul stuck with it. Got his MDE from Columbia as a Rhodes Scholar in Oxford. Got a doctorate in public health. Ran Detroit's health department for two years. Wrote a book. And Abdul's dad, still with the shade. My dad just kind of, you know, he's always like, oh, you guys are just mechanics. You know, my dad's an engineer. He's like, you're just mechanics. And you work on this machine that's always breaking. When Abdul launched his podcast, This is America Dissected. I'm your host, Dr. Abdul El Sayed. He interviewed his dad in one of the show's early episodes about his father losing two siblings back in Egypt. I never appreciated why he was so circumspect about medicine. He tells a story that one of his, his little brother who, who passed uh, as an infant had thrown up earlier that day before they took him to the hospital. And this was after a sister of his had already died in the same way. And when my grandmother came home without his brother, he guarded the place where his brother had thrown up because it was the last thing he remembered of him. Abdul had seen the health inequities between Egypt and the U.S. as a kid. But as he got older, he saw those same inequities here in the U.S., where the zip code you live in plays a major role in how long you live. This is a big part of what drives Abdul professionally. And his show raises, he says, questions at the edge of health and society. Health isn't just about me or about you. It is about the choices that we make. And so... Living your healthiest possible life is also about advocating for a place where everybody else gets to live theirs too. And that starts with basic access to healthcare, fine. But it means advocating for uh, a more just and equitable distribution of all these basic resources, whether it is the air you breathe or the water you drink or the sidewalk you walk on or the job you work, and making those connections for folks. That it really is the thrust of the show. And so, Abdul, when you look back over the year at all these big stories, can you tell us one that really matters to you? So the first story is from a podcast called Throughline, which is an NPR podcast. Their whole shtick is uh, to go back in time to understand the present. They're not a health podcast per se, but they did a fantastic episode tracing the ideological undercurrents of the modern anti-abortion movement. And this is an episode that came out before the court overturned Roe, upholding the new Dobbs decision. Why did it stand out? 
Now, I'm, a, I'm not anti-doctor in any way, but I, I am circumspect about the ostensible good in, intentions that my profession tends to claim. For tens of thousands of years, childbirth and pregnancy was all in the domain of women. There was a crowd of women involved in the delivery along with the midwife. Particularly when you look in history, so much of the brokenness of our healthcare system come from doctors. But in the early 1800s, as more doctors, male doctors, doctor equaled male, entered the delivery room, that began to shift a millennia-old dynamic. This episode, they imagine, trace the rise of the anti-abortion movement to a particular set of doctors who recognized that the rise of midwives were a threat to the income of physicians. And as Throughline explains these physicians, with the help of the newly minted American Medical Association, made a full court press on state houses around the country and germinated the modern anti-abortion movement. So in the terms of the way the laws are written, there is always an exception that allow for medical professionals, for doctors, to perform abortions if they, in their medical judgment, believe it is necessary to save a woman's life or to save her health. And that medically necessary is not defined in the law, but it, it does mean that they can kind of control this and also say, you know, other people, midwives, you know, immigrants, you know, bad people are, are doing this procedure and it's immoral and now it's illegal. Part of what Abdul likes about this episode is how it frames the 19th century anti-abortion movement in the U.S. as a grab for money and power. And I just felt like they did a great job peeling back the onion in a way that sort of just put a puzzle piece into my thinking. I was like, oh yeah, like of course that was. Um, and, and so they, they just did it masterfully and I, I thought the episode was, was totally worth a listen. And I hate to say it, but so much of American healthcare, right? The, the answers underneath that are like, oh yeah, just people want to make more money. He may also like it because, like his dad, Abdul shares a skepticism for docs, at least some of them. Abdul, thanks so much for joining us on Tradeoffs. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. We'll be back with our second guest, whose recommendations touch on health equity and treating people in crisis. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back. Um, quick question. Is the pod clean? Is it, is it, it's a clean pod, right? It's not explicit because I know I'm going to swear. I've known Karis Jan Myrick for a few years now. And one thing that's so great about her, she comes right at you. The other thing, her fashion sense, purple streaks in her hair, bold glasses framing her face, multicolored shoes on her feet. But really it's her conviction more than her appearance that stands out. Welcome and welcome back to Unapologetically Black Unicorns. Yay! 
and you can hear that in her podcast. So, Karis, you've produced 79 episodes so far. In one sentence, what's the show all about? So, uh, unapologetically, Black Unicorns is about stories of people with lived experience primarily who are Black and Brown, who are unrepresented, unheard, who are doing amazing things in the mental health and substance use space. It also includes psychiatrists, psychologists, and other policy folks who are Black and Brown and underrepresented as well. Karis's podcast, in many ways, reflects the life she's lived. She's a Black woman who's worked in mental health for the last 15 years, ran a peer support nonprofit in L.A. She's worked for the federal government at the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, known as SAMHSA, and currently works for the advocacy organization Inseparable. She's also gone through the mental health system as a patient diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder and schizophrenia. So, Karis, I know you brought in two recommendations. Let's start with the one that comes from the show, Doing the Work, Frontline Stories of Social Change. The, the episode that, that I really kind of glommed onto, and I've listened to it many times, um, is one with a psychiatrist. I am your host, Shimon Cohen. In this episode, I talk with Dr. Jessica Isom, and there they are, this social worker and psychiatrist talking about mental health equity that as a Black person and as a peer, and I was just blown away. And I was just like, wow, they're having the so same experience that we're having as the patient. For people who have lived experience of racism, it's very clear what it is to a certain extent. However, even those with lived experience can often narrow down the definitions of just interpersonal prejudice and discrimination, but it obscures all of the other ways that racism is kind of baked into how we are accessing lots of things from banking institutions to uh, going to get some you know, food at Starbucks. Most of the episode was focused on what is it like to be a Black psychiatrist what is it like to go against something as big as like the American Psychiatric Association? So they have this discussion about it in ways that are similar to how the peer community talks about the oppression they feel from psychiatry. Dr. Jessica Isom ultimately left the APA. Life is short. So I, if I'm going to intervene and make psychiatry something more useful to Black people, I have to be in places and spaces where that's more possible. She made the difficult decision after feeling too many members were talking the talk rather than walking the walk about fully engaging structural racism inside the association and the pushback she got for calling that out. I was talking about this recently with someone about what society could learn specifically from Black people and really any person and or group that exists on the margins because being on the margins requires you to tolerate a lot of things that those in the center don't have to. And by tolerate, I mean, restrain yourself (laughs) from your natural reactions. I was in a meeting uh, within the APA where I was talking under a high level of racial stress. So I mean, like sweating, heart racing, brain going like 100 miles per hour, trying to articulate a point in a space where people were not really understanding the point. And someone comes off of their mic in this virtual space just to offer an annoyed sigh of frustration. 
I was like, I had to like restrain Jessica from Fayetteville in that moment. Because should I break from my commitment to professionalism, that would be a ding against my my advocacy moment, which was addressing cultural racism in the organization. So one of the things that I was really struck by <clears throat> that Dr. Isom said was, not only do we have to show up in certain rooms and, and, and public spaces with this code switching of language, we also have to do it with our behavior. What kind of pressure does that put on a person that you can't be yourself, authentically yourself in a room? I know for me as a Black person, and I'm a big Black person, I'm not tiny, and I have a deep voice that if I yell and scream, I am considered, quote unquote, an angry Black bitch. And if I am that ABB, angry Black bitch, I'm not heard. So I have had to dial it back and figure out another way of showing up. That's code switching, not just language, behavior, everything. And so what Dr. Eisen was saying is that how can people really understand that work that we have to do to show up? Kara says the episode resonated so much with her because it highlighted the double standard Black people can be held to and the toll that it can take. And having more of those conversations, she says, is important. So I'm hoping that people can hear at least that message. What can society learn from Black people about how we have to show up, how we have to be resilient? And what does that mean for what you will do when you're around other Black people or to ensure more Black and brown people are in the room? That's really one thing that I hope people will take away. Karis, I know you brought in this second recommendation, Get Mad, which is hosted by Vesper Moore. Now, it's a podcast about disability rights, LGBTQ rights, mental health. What is it about Get Mad that speaks to you? So the first episode, I was on the floor, kind of just with just pouncing my fist on the floor going, yes, yes, yeah. It was, oh my God. And the psych ward says. So it was with um, spoken word artist and poet, um, Anita Diaz. And she talks about her lived experience of uh, being a mental health client. And just like the straps on the stretcher that you rolled in on, we are going to keep you safe and secured. Notice the locked doors and all the cameras perched in the corners like hawks. We will be watching. And she wrote this poem about her experience in psychiatric emergency room. And coloring books, we have old radios with no antenna, but the static is still loud enough to drown out the sound of the woman screaming in 2B. That's just Cindy. She just does that sometimes. Well, she didn't always, but she And when she read it, I was like, yep, yep, check, check. Like exclamation point. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was so spot on. Diagnosis. We didn't cause your social anxiety. We only heightened what was already there. We just want to see you reach your full potential as a patient. We told you this asylum was built to help you. No words. I know I'm on a podcast, but I just have no words for the power of that particular episode. Wait, 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 wait. Why do you have no words? It's like your heart wants to burst open. Those are the words that I have about it. Yeah. 
Why did that make your heart want to burst open? Because I've been there. I have been there. Um, It is horrible. When you think of going to a hospital, do you think you're going to be locked in a room and never see a doctor for two days, not told the truth about how long you can be there, if you can come and go? No, that doesn't happen. But it happens to us in mental health. And I... Yeah, it just, it hurts, quite frankly. You see me sort of tearing up a little bit. And to hear someone else talk about it and to put it into a a spoken word poem. The poem was a validation for all the times Karis was involuntarily committed. When I went into the hospital, the door closed behind me. My father didn't understand it. My mother didn't understand it. They were on the other side of the door. They couldn't see what was going on. And then we're not believed about what's going on. And people keep saying, well, you know, this is for the best. There's nothing about it that's for the best. It's traumatizing. I'm just, I'm scribbling in my notebook as you are answering that question. And I'm thinking about the connective tissue between your first recommendation and your second recommendation. And the one that jumps out most to me is both podcast episodes you described would give anyone who chooses to listen a sense of what it's like to not be trusted every single day. It seems like these episodes would both give folks better insight into what that actually feels like. 1000%. I think we're touching an elephant, um, Dan, quite frankly, we're all touching a piece of the elephant. So psychiatrists, especially Black psychiatrists, have a particular experience. And we don't understand that experience. And so sometimes our complaints can seem anti-psychiatry. But when I hear Dr. Isom, I hear the very same things that we're complaining about when we're touching our side of the elephant. And then Anita, who talks about her personal lived experience, that's another side of the elephant. But for these two pieces, these two podcasts, I think we're much closer to talking about the same elephant. Karis, we've only just gotten to know each other over the last year or so, year and a half. It's a really pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Tradeoffs. Well, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> this is super exciting and, um, you know, really got my brain churning. Karis and Abdul each had a few other recommendations they wanted to share. We've listed all of their picks on our website, tradeoffs.org, where you can also find staff picks for some great listens from 2022. I'm Dan Gorenstein. This is Tradeoffs. Five months later, the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade continues to send shockwaves through the country. But even before the landmark ruling, researchers had a good sense about what may happen. It'll be the people who already have the least resources who are going to be forced to experience the greatest hardship. So this is going to deepen inequality, and this is going to make people whose lives are hard even harder. What research can tell us about the impact of abortion bans next time on Tradeoffs. Thanks for listening to Tradeoffs in 2022. We hope you found the stories in the feed this year insightful, illuminating, and valuable. 
Consider then making a financial contribution to support our work at tradeoffs.org slash donate. We'll even throw a hat into the bargain. The Tradeoffs team is producers Ryan Levy and Alex Olgan, editor Kate Cahan, executive director Jessica Silverman, audience engagement lead Shannon Crane, sound designer Andrew Perella, executive editor Dan Gorenstein, and senior producer Leslie Walker. The Tradeoffs theme song was composed by Ty Sitterman with additional music this episode from Blue Dot Sessions and Epidemic Sound. Additional thanks to Stacy Richter and all our listeners who helped to support our work. Our media partner is SideFX Public Media, based at WFYI. Tradeoffs is supported by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, Arnold Ventures, West Health, the Scan Foundation, the Better Care Playbook, the Leonard Davis Institute of Health Economics at the University of Pennsylvania, the Sozose Foundation, and the National Institute for Healthcare Management Foundation. The views expressed in this episode are those of the individuals and not those of Tradeoffs staff, advisors, or funders. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.